Welcome to the Best Work Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Henley-Smith. The goal of this show is to uncover the working insights of successful software engineers, founders and leaders, so you too can find your best work. Finding our best work is often a hidden journey, uncovered through an ongoing conversation with ourselves and the world around us. Every one of these episodes is packed with timeless ideas you can apply to your own life. In this conversation, I speak to software engineer Wojciech Schromek. We explore how to harness your own intuition and make better decisions about work as a result. How do you plan what work you're going to pursue? Maybe it is not like uh, planning a work per se, but, uh, but rather being aware of what are the um, skills and trends and maybe thinking about how particular uh, technological contexts can um, be complementary to each other. What I mean is that I have started working as a front-end engineer, then I went on to to work as as a full stack, and I worked with PHP and Node and JavaScript on the front end. I was very lucky to work in a company called Shipstead, where where I worked with with amazing people who who boosted the the amount of knowledge that I would have exposed to during a tenure in any given company. I was working with amazing people who who taught me a lot. I went out of this company after three years, but I've always felt like it gave me nine years of experience because it was incredible. And after that, I compared every role to this one uh, or that one, right? After that, I went to to work uh, in William Hill, which is probably a a familiar name to you. Uh, And I have spent some time working as as a leader, uh, as a team lead. I wanted to do that because I wanted to complement the technical skills. Uh, with the with soft skills, right? I I entered into this position starting as as a principal developer back then. Then I was promoted to a development team lead, and what I what I decided to focus on this role. I wanted to keep a little bit away from the technicalities, but rather I wanted to learn about psychology, motivation, uh, how to how to manage people, right? Uh, and it turned out that uh, absolutely not being aware of the fact that it is a method, I went into something that is called a servitude leadership, right? So my approach was always, how can I help you to do your best work? Exactly this, right? I wanted to help my people grow. I I wanted to, to be a tool for them. Right? Let's call it a hammer, right? You need to do that. You don't know what to do. Here's me. I will do this for you, right? And it worked amazingly well. What's that process taught you about your own work? and your own view of what it means to do your best work? I think that I measured my success by back then by the um, happiness of the team. I think that I've learned that to be successful in even regular engineering contexts, uh, the perspective of a leader who, uh, who leverages his context and is able to give you himself as a tool is incredibly important. Uh, probably, yes, this was probably the most important thing that I brought out of this, uh, the awareness of context in which I would like to work. And I must admit that since then, I was extremely lucky to 
always work with people who who worked in the same manner. Like I felt whether this was the, the environment, environment which would be good for me or not, you know? And I think that, that this was the experience that allowed it. It sounds almost as if the experience allowed you to see beyond your own self in a way and to recognize the impact that the environment around you as an engineer has on you. I, I think that this, this is partly true. And while saying, uh, while talking about environment, uh, I think that uh, this, this role of the people who are superior to you in, in your workplace uh, is incredibly uh, important. What aspects do you think engineers who aren't leaders don't recognize as important to, because you only have this insight because you've you've been there and you've transitioned, but there are so many people who are working day to day who are unaware of, of, mm -hmm. of those things. I believe there are three. Uh, I believe that absolutely the most important thing is the way that we communicate because this makes or breaks a senior and principal engineer. Uh, if you are able to lay out concepts, make them accessible, you are able to teach. And if you are not, you are going to get frustrated. The people who are trying to teach get frustrated as well, and it just doesn't work. But this is only one. I think that uh, there are two which touch a bit on each other. And one is emotional resilience, because uh, in the context of, for example, improper communication, if we are able to be emotionally resilient, then we are able to try and try and it kind of touches on work by Professor Carol Dweck from Stanford. She wrote a book called Mindset, and she basically posits that in contexts where you know that failure is a step towards success. And if you have that mindset, she called it the like growth mindset versus fixed mindset. So when you think that you will no longer develop, you don't, right? But when you have the, the knowledge that you're able to grow, then, then you just take every failure as a lesson. And not everybody has that, which touches on the third point that uh, in, our, um, in our industry, uh, there is a prevalent problem of imposter syndrome. So, so I, I saw some, some data it was quite some time ago, so right now I, I am unable to vouch for them. But they said that around 70% of people in the IT industry battle imposter syndrome. I wanted to provide my team with a psychological safety to, to have this space uh, in which everybody could actually voice their opinion without fear of being ridiculed, uh, which happens in, in regular communication, right? Uh, within teams, because I have both worked in teams which were very, very safe that way, but also in ones that would ridicule you because they expected you to always come with good ideas, right? Mm -hmm. How can someone recognize that they are in an environment that fosters those three pillars? I, I think that when you find yourself in a place like this, you will feel it. Uh, I, I have this... Mm, feeling. If you don't feel safe in your workplace, uh, I I think that this is a really really strong signal that you need to get out. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, I deeply believe that uh, providing psychological safety in your in your company teams in in your process 
is should be a no-brainer for any company. Like even Google had this um, this program. I feel or I think it was called Aristotle uh, Project Aristotle, where where they were looking for factors that made the uh, the psychological or, or which made teams high performing and and perform at their highest level, and. Actually, the, the main finding was that psychological safety can make or break the team and its performance. Mm. As to the communication, I don't think that in context of communication, this is, uh, this is dependent on the workplace. I feel that uh, however, the, however your environment communicates with you, will leave an imprint on you, but does not define the way that you uh, communicate with your environment, right? So I, I dearly believe that this, that this is a road that everybody ha has to take for themselves. Mm. Uh, and I, I must say from my own experience that I, I started out working and I, I was unable to communicate well. I, I got angry easily. I, I was frustrated because I couldn't uh, convey my ways of thinking. I, I was a perfectionist and this doesn't lead to proper communication with people, I think, ever, right? So I believe that both communication and by proxy, right, the, the emotional resilience are things that we need to foster by ourselves within ourselves. And I don't think that this comes from, from work and environment as such. And how do you think an environment can enable you to see through your own imposter syndrome? I think that whenever we are able to carry out our work in a way that we are satisfied with and where we can actually see effects of our work, that this is a small building block and if we connect them together, we are able to overcome it. But, but once again, this is not really common, right? There are so many companies in which you will work, 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 and then this work will either be scraped or, or will just go unnoticed. It strikes me as one of the hardest things to achieve as a leader, the ability to help someone overcome whatever imposter syndrome they may have. Um, because I, I, you're exactly right it requires both an environment that enables that person to fail in some ways, but then also it does require success. It requires having Safe achieved fail, right? something. Yeah. How, how do you know when you're figuring out where to work and you're deciding between companies, how do you know which environment out of two is going to enable you to do your best work and see through your own imposter syndrome in some way. Let me take a step back uh, because uh, I was telling you a little bit about my background when I arrived at William Hill as a leader. Uh, and this was the, the idea was I was first front end, then full stack. Then I became the, the leader. Uh, and after that, I went on in the same company to work as a front end architect. But I found out that the work of, of corporate architect was not a, uh, not a work that I wanted to carry out. That my heart wasn't it, you know. Uh, and I took a step back and I became a junior DevOps because I believed that, uh, that this, is an ex this is a complementary element to my work because I gained the experience in development. I gained experience in management. And then I thought that there is one element which ties this all together to a whole life cycle of product. 
and, and this was the infrastructure, right? So, so I have spent a year in a company which has been, uh, which has been created by two, two incredible engineers uh, with whom I had the opportunity to previously work in company Shipstead. So this was basically an extension. I knew the gentleman, right? I, I knew what they represented and I knew the, the quality of, of their work. So I went there. I have, I have learned how to, how to build uh, infrastructures as much as I could have learned within a year. Uh, and, and probably to answer your question, for me, the, the factor that allowed me to decide where I want to go was, first of all, I knew what I wanted to do because it came to me, I, I want to learn infrastructure right now. I want to complete the cycle. I want to be able to do any stuff between layers. But I think that the deciding factor in saying where I want to go were people. If you already worked with those people, how, how do you work it out without? I think there needs to be a, a touch of intuition to that, that, uh, mm. that you need to know yourself enough to, to be able to say whether you feel um, comfort, comfortable with, with those people, because you, I, either, either way, you will spend some time talking with them. Uh, you will spend some time asking them questions, being interviewed, etc. Right? You are able to ask good questions. I think that there are many contexts in which people during uh, interviews for different positions do not leverage the position they are in because it is not like we are there to be interrogated, right? Mm. This is like this dance between employee and employer mm. to 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 know each other, to feel whether this dance works for both mm. people, right? You can ask proper questions. Somebody who I knew once um, compared it to dating. And I feel like people do not approach this from this perspective, like this should work both ways. I, I think that a part of imposter syndrome is that you approach this from position I feel like I'm not good enough for this. So if we are approaching such meetings from a position of already not being good enough, then there's no place for us to be important there, right? So I, I, I think that this all lives in us, that, that we are able to, to get there, to grow essentially into the mindset where, uh, where you are able to choose your best work because your own intuition will tell you what to ask but i am afraid that this comes from experience it's easy to say something like that having mm -hmm. that experience it is indeed the art of knowing yourself enough to use your own intuition in those moments when when did the penny drop for you i think it was when i i moved from this company shipstead it was, uh, I think it was then where, when I uh, kind of opened my eyes and, and uh, then I met the, the lead from this company uh, or, or the, the girl who was my direct superior back then and she convinced me to come. Uh, I think that this was a moment where I, where I started asking the correct questions that they, which is actually funny because they did not allow me to realize what the work is going to be because the work turned out to be something else that it was supposed to, but it allowed me to, 
to feel that this is the environment in which I will be able to work. What question did you have to ask yourself in order to have that realization? I think that it was mostly what are you afraid of and what scares you. Yeah. Because it kind of sometimes, I think, show you the the direction mm. towards which you need to grow. But I think that, that what you, that the question was uh, missing one link because you said, what question I asked myself. Mm. And I think that, uh, that this does not boil down only to you because, uh, because people around you will influence you mm. in, in different ways, right? Mm. In, my, in my context, uh, I have served somebody to, to help me ask the proper questions, uh, to help me build this, you know, feeling of safety and, and confidence. I, I, I found out a therapist who, who helped me, right? I, I realized at some point that to, to be able to communicate effectively and to, to gain this emotional resilience, I would have to, to find a specialist and I did it and, and I feel it worked really well. And interestingly, you went straight to uh, an example there of when you have proactively sought out an environment that allows you to ask questions of yourself in a therapist. I think that I was looking at it in a problem-oriented way. As a sort of problem, how can we solve it? Yeah. Problem, lack of communication. Solution, learn how to communicate. How do you learn? Therapy. Mm. It kind of worked, right? Mm. Where else could you apply that mindset when you're making the decision to, to to decide where to spend your time how else could you use that problem mindset are you familiar with with work of heath brothers no uh, and tip heath there are two gentlemen who, who psychologists i believe who has that made to stick write... huh is it, did they write made to stick no no they they wrote switch and uh, they they wrote power of moments and they wrote something called decisive hmm. Uh, an approach to making decisions. I can wholeheartedly recommend this book because it is really great. Mm. But in context, one more, in context of asking yourself the important questions, I think there is one more book that I think is really, really incredible. Jonathan Haidt's uh, The Happiness Hypothesis. Mm. I, I think that this book can, can help you ask some questions about yourself. How did it help you? It gave me a perspective. It told me that uh, not everything that I consider of myself, which was, that is mm, undesirable, really was. Like it, it gave me a more more mm, comfort to to be with the parts of me that I did not really like, maybe. Mm. And there was actually one more, uh, Marshall Rosenberg's communication without violence, hmm. which was an incredible read. And, and I think one of the most important books I read in my life. And I think that I will be coming back to this book over and over throughout my life because, because it teaches you how to be gentle. And this is such an undervalued quality. I love that last point. I couldn't agree with it more. But I think it's one of the hardest things to attain. How do you... The, the gentleness? Yeah. Because it strikes me that our conversation has been about understanding what is around you and um, recognizing 
all of the inputs that are coming from uh, from outside of us um, and what impact what impact that has and perhaps it's it relies on us holding things loosely and and being gentle to kind of open up that force field around us and allow allow those thoughts in. I think this is really possible. Uh, my my really really good friend tends to say that he has really really strong opinions, but he holds them loosely, and I, and I think that that this this is it, right? Hmm. That that we need to be confident, but we need to be open. Hmm. Uh, we need to be able to listen. We need to have our own uh, convictions naturally, but. W- we need to be able to take feedback, which is incredibly difficult, right? And giving good feedback is a whole different story and it's also very difficult, right? Mm. But once again, the gentleness in it all closes itself in an elegant look. Uh, what can you say? Well, Czech, I think you're a piece of magic. Um, thank you so much for sharing your story with me. And um, thank you. Uh, I learned a lot from it. <sighs> it was a pleasure. The Best Work Podcast is produced by the team at Cord. I'd love your advice on how we can make sure the Best Work Podcast is having a profound impact on the way we all pursue our best work. Email me at benatcord.co. You can also find a transcript of this conversation, insightful video content and more at cord.co slash insights. Thanks for listening.